Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. Yogi Berra was an American baseball player who happened to have a way with words. Now, you might not remember who he was, but you might remember some of those words. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. (laughs) I love that. Seriously, though, you are going to come to some forks in the road in life. My friends, what do you do when you come to a fork in the road? Because one of those is you know, listening to this or doing something else. So I really, really appreciate that you're joining us for a journey through the Bible, whether it's one day or every day. But here we read through the whole thing and consider our own life and work stories in light of that. And one big part of the big story is that Satan is a liar who foments deception from within and persecution from without. Yesterday in the book of Acts, we heard some of that within stuff. We heard about Ananias and Sapphira, and they came to a fork in the road, made a decision. And interestingly, their sin wasn't in keeping some of their own money. It was in pretending to be something they weren't. Well, today, you can guess where this is going. Let's look at some of the without stuff. Acts chapter 5, picking up in verse 12. Many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. They were all together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, but the people spoke well of them. Believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, multitudes of both men and women. As a result, they would carry the sick out into the streets and lay them on cots and mats so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. In addition, a multitude came together from the towns surrounding Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were healed. Then the high priest rose up. He and all who were with him who belonged to the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. So they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail during the night, brought them out, and said, Go and stand in the temple and tell the people all about this life. Hearing this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. When the high priest and those who were with him arrived, they convened the Sanhedrin, the full council of the Israelites, and sent orders to the jail to have them brought. But when the servants got there, they didn't find them in the jail, so they returned and reported, We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing in front of the doors, but when they opened them, we found no one inside. As the captain of the temple police and the chief priests heard these things, they were baffled about them, wondering what could come of this. Someone came and reported to them, Look! The men you put in jail are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the commander went with the servants and brought them in without force because they were afraid the people might stone them. After they brought them in, they had them stand before the Sanhedrin and the high priest asked, 
Didn't we strictly order you not to teach in this name? Look, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the apostles replied, We must obey God rather than people. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had murdered by hanging him on a tree. God exalted this man to his right hand as ruler and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was respected by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered the men to be taken outside for a little while. He said to the Sanhedrin, Men of Israel, be careful about what you're about to do to these men. Some time ago, Theudas rose up, claiming to be someone, and a group of about 400 men rallied to him, and he was killed, and all his followers were dispersed and came to nothing. After this, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and attracted a following. He also perished, and all his followers were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, stay away from these men and leave them alone. For if this plan or this work is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even be found fighting against God. And they were persuaded by him. After they called in the apostles and had them flogged, they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and released them. Then they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully on behalf of the name. Every day in the temple and in various homes, they continued teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. And that gets us up through verse 42. Hey, by the way, you know, here's Gamaliel, who was smart, whether he realized it or not. But he advised neutrality, which means, in a way, avoiding the truth and letting Satan move in. Right With all the evidence they had seen, the council's neutrality was actually dishonesty. And oh, by the way, there's no such thing as neutrality anyway. I like this quote from F.W. Borum. He said, we make our decisions and then our decisions turn around and make us. Notice that they didn't want the apostles teaching because they didn't want to look bad. <laughs> What do you do when you come to a fork in the road, my friends? Values or decisions made in advance. And then there is Abraham, lauded because he believed, had faith in the true God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. But if values or decisions made in advance, you're going to hear that he didn't learn his lesson from all of his nincompoopery, primarily like telling Pharaoh that his hot wife was his sister, but stick around, the stupidity and doubt are then followed in our reading today by the greatest test of his life, and spoiler alert, he actually passes with flying colors. Genesis chapter 20. From there, Abraham traveled to the region of the Negev and settled between Kadesh and Shur, 
While he was staying in Gerar, Abraham said about his wife Sarah, She's my sister. So King Abimelech of Gerar had Sarah brought to him. But God came to Abimelech in a dream that night and said to him, You are about to die because of the woman you have taken, for she is a married woman. Now Abimelech had not approached her. So he said, Lord, would you destroy a nation even though it is innocent? Didn't he himself say to me, She is my sister? And she herself said, He's my brother. I did this with a clear conscience and clean hands. Then God said to him in a dream, Yes, I know that you did this with a clear conscience. I have also kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I haven't let you touch her. Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you and you will live. But if you do not return her, know that you will certainly die, you and all who are yours. Early in the morning, Abimelech got up, called his servants together, and personally told them all these things, and the men were terrified. Then Abimelech called Abraham in and said to him, What have you done to us? How did I sin against you that you have brought such enormous guilt on me and on my kingdom? You have done things to me that should never be done. Abimelech also asked Abraham, What made you do this? Abraham replied, I thought, There is absolutely no fear of God in this place. They'll kill me because of my wife. Besides, she really is my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. So when God had me wander from my father's house, I said to her, Show your loyalty to me wherever we go and say about me, He's my brother. Then Abimelech took flocks and herds and male and female slaves, gave them to Abraham, and returned his wife Sarah to him. Abimelech said, Look, my land is before you. Settle wherever you want. And he said to Sarah, Look, I'm giving your brother 1,000 pieces of silver. It is a verification of your honor to all who are with you. You are fully vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female slaves, so that they could bear children. For the Lord had completely closed all the wombs in Abimelech's household on account of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Chapter 21 The Lord came to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time God had told him. Abraham named his son who was born to him, the one Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And when his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and everyone who hears will laugh with me. She also said, Who would have told Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne a son for him in his old age? The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham held a great feast on the day Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw a son mocking the one Hagar, the Egyptian, had borne to Abraham. So she said to Abraham, Drive out this slave with her son, for the son of this slave will not be a co-heir with my son Isaac. This was very distressing to Abraham because of his son. But God said to Abraham, 
Do not be distressed about the boy and about your slave. Whatever Sarah says to you, listen to her, because your offspring will be traced through Isaac, and I will also make a nation of the slave's son because he is your offspring. Early in the morning, Abraham got up, took bread and a water skin, put them on Hagar's shoulders, and sent her and the boy away. She left and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And when the water in the skin was gone, she left the boy under one of the bushes and went and sat at a distance, about a bowshot away, for she said, I can't bear to watch the boy die. And while she sat at a distance, she wept loudly. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What's wrong, Hagar? Don't be afraid, for God has heard the boy crying from the place where he is. Get up, help the boy up, and grasp his hand, for I will make him a great nation. And then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well. So she went and filled the water skin and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy, and he grew. He settled in the wilderness and became an archer. He settled in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. At that time, Abimelech, accompanied by Phicol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in everything you do. Swear to me by God, here and now, that you will not break an agreement with me or with my children and descendants. As I have been loyal to you, so you will be loyal to me and to the country where you are a resident alien. And Abraham said, I swear it. But Abraham complained to Abimelech because of the well that Abimelech's servants had seized. Abimelech replied, I don't know who did this thing. You didn't report anything to me, so I hadn't heard about it until today. Abraham took flocks and herds and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. Abraham separated seven ewe lambs from the flock, and Abimelech said to Abraham, Why have you separated these seven ewe lambs? He replied, You are to accept the seven ewe lambs from me, so that this act will serve as my witness that I dug this well. Therefore that place is called Beersheba, because it was there that the two of them swore an oath. After they had made a covenant at Beersheba, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of the army, left and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham lived as an alien in the land of the Philistines for many days. After these things, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship. Then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it 
on his son Isaac. In his hand he took the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac, my friends, this just gets me. Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father, and he replied, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And then the two of them walked on together. Pause. We know how this story goes, but remember, that's prophetic looking ahead to Jesus. God himself will provide the perfect lamb, Jesus, as the offering. Continuing. When they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, Here I am. And then he said, Do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place, The Lord Will Provide. So today it is said, It will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, this is the Lord's declaration, Because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. Abraham went back to his young men, and they got up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham settled in Beersheba. And that gets us almost all the way up through chapter 22, and remember this. I mean, it's one thing to claim to trust God's word when we're waiting for something. It's quite another thing to trust and obey his word after we've received that something, like Abraham just did. This was a test of how much Abraham would obey God's word, right? He would, would he cling to the boy that he now had? Or would he still obey and return that boy to the Lord? In other words, how far would Abraham go in obedience? Did he really believe that God would still keep his word and raise the seed of promise? My friends, what do you do when you come to a fork in the road? Because that's the point of our closing wisdom segment, the very first of the 150 Psalms. Pray this with me. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season, 
and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. My friends, I'm just going to pray this. Lord God, if there was, it seems like, if there was ever a time that we are at a fork in the road, it seems like now. And Lord, I know that people ever since Jesus have thought this must be the end. But Lord, I just pray for each and every person here that we would decide this day whom we will serve. And that Lord, we will be found faithful when we come to the fork in the road. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.